everybody here we go again welcome back to it it's the one more podcast it's the podcast you want when you want one more podcast well who's it featuring well how about this Bo Ravage race and sportsbook director Carl Johnson down there in Biloxi Mississippi he is also the star of stage and screen you see him on the Lombardi line now we don't stop there we bring you Bill Berman the band at his own self moderately employed we don't know where we don't know why and we don't know how and we finish it up with Stevie Shrimp that's right um man who knows shrimp intimately we're told me i'm just ryan hyatt i'm sort of your cruise director today we'll have shuffleboard on the lita deck later on tonight but right now we got to get into it i we got to welcome in our our longtime sponsor they've been with us so long had to begin blockbuster video everybody that's right be kind and rewind you know that young hot actor tom cruise he's got a new movie out top gun something about airplanes and there's no better way to enjoy it than on VHS tape in your own home with crappy popcorn from Blockbuster Video. All right, we're all, boys. We're all, we're all doing that when we get off here, all right? We're all, we <laughs> hey, here, well, we welcome back, the... everybody. We took a week off. Berman, it's, it's great to have you. Well, have everybody back. It's good to see your smiling face again. Uh, it's so good to be back. I appreciate all the love and the support. Uh, and I'll, I'll leave it at this because I know everybody's here for a good time and that's what we're here for. It's so good to be back. Uh, my mom was a long-term believer in friends and family and friends were family. Uh, so uh, that's how I think about you guys and everybody listening. And so I'm so happy to be back and, and uh, be back with you guys. We're happy to have you. Look, he's all tanned up and stuff. I mean, man. Great to see you. I, mean, I just got out of the bed. <laughs> All right, we got to hit the ground running. We got Game Three NBA Finals coming up tonight, uh, Golden State and Boston. And I wish we could legally print our text messages in the thread from earlier today, but I don't think we can under FCC regulations. But we got to start with Stevie tonight. Stevie is adamant on a play, and when somebody feels that strongly here on the One More Podcast, we got to get it going. What are you liking about this game tonight? What are you liking about the Celtics? Well. I've seen this picture many times with the, you know, it looks like that uh, Golden State tonight is a public dog on the money line. I'm seeing about 70, 75% of the uh, 
action on Golden State. Uh, from my experience, normally when when the public is on a plus money like that, especially in a big game like this, they rarely win. So, and I also like the team coming off a blowout loss, coming back home. It's like they get their focus and their attention back. I just think this is a really good spot for Boston. But on a second note, I do want to mention one thing that I've seen. I'm not sure uh, how many weeks back, but it's at least a, it's been a month now since a team has uh, covered and lost the game. And it seems like the last over like six week period, every team that's won the game has covered the spread. I'm looking for that to change at some point. We, we're going to have a game where the team comes and, and doesn't win the game. It could be tonight. This could be a, a good spot for a money middle, but I'm definitely going to put my money on Boston on the money line. I think that's the safe play here. And, that's what I, you know, I'm going to put all my eggs in that basket. But I would not be surprised if Golden State covers the three and a half, loses the game. Yeah, we're at, that's what we're at. We're at uh, three and a half and two thirteen and a half. And last I talked to him, there was a possibility we was going to be moving to two fourteen. So a few shops, uh, a few shops are at two fourteen right now. So that's that's where we're at. And also on our side, I got asked this earlier. You know, it's just weird how they bet these regional books. But for us, um, you know, they're betting us uh, uh, Boston money line. We're going to need Golden State to win the game. All the all the five and six digit uh, bets that we have tonight, uh, with the exception of of one, are on uh, on Boston's money line. So it's just just weird. And they'll be betting Thomas up north totally different th- than me. But that's the way it is. I was about to throw it up to you, Bill, and what, what's the pulse up your direction? What are you thinking? I mean, I, I've been listening for those. So, first of all, Stevie, thanks for that tip. I don't know if this is the right thing to do, but I put all my kids' college money on your on the Celtics tonight. So, thanks for that. I'll let you know how it works out. Um, there's some great JUCOs around here. I mean, I'm sure they'll be fine. But, uh, but in all seriousness, I, I feel like everybody – has been so I was listening to the flow over the weekend on on VSIN and and the shows man people have been negative uh on the Warriors um but the re- the reality is is you want you know in life in general not to get too philosophical here if you've got a thesis right and I feel like people have been overly negative uh on the Warriors in this series felt that going in the last game it worked out whatever totally different scenario tonight you clean the slate you want somebody to actually argue against your thesis. That's what you want, right? You want the, the, the dissension in the room, right? That's, that's how you get smart. So Stevie, uh, to Ryan's uh, point earlier, uh, we've been talking about this on text. I feel like we did two shows today. Um, uh, the Stevie, uh, you know, that statistic is powerful. Carl, you brought one up with Scott Foster. I mean, th- look, math is a powerful thing. Trends are a powerful thing. And, um, I'm, I'm on the Celtics tonight with Stevie. Uh, I don't know how this series works out. I think the talk of, I thought the talk of sweep was way, way, way too premature and aggressive. I still think a series that, uh, goes five is too aggressive. Um, but ultimately I think the Celtics are in a very good spot here. I want, I want to back up to the weekend. And by the way, if, if believing in Stevie is wrong, I don't want to be right, but I want to go back to the weekend and something that frustrated me about that game it's a two-point game basically at the half uh things are looking pretty good if, you, if you've got maybe celtics and a little teaser action and total and then all of a sudden third quarter rolls around and i'll use the term load management we use load management during the regular season about how you give away certain games i am seeing more and more and this is frustrating me in the nba in the postseason that teams didn't used to give away games they fought tooth and nail whatever they can do how problematic is that, guys? And, Carl, you can talk about it from a book standpoint. You guys can talk about it from a wagering standpoint. That at a certain point in these games, in the finals, in the postseason, teams are giving away entire quarters and sometimes halves and try to figure out how to factor that in and wager on it. That blew me away the other night. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, first of all, the – you know, at least in the finals, we've we've had some, a, a couple of uh, good games. You know, uh, in the in the 
other playoffs, I mean, you was having 35, 40-point games. I mean, teams being up 50 points. I mean, just – and then hanging on. So – but in this in this final series, um, you know, better games. I've noticed the in-game wagering uh, has been kind of evenly balanced. Uh, so, I mean, we're good there. But, uh, you know, I, I think that – Basically, it just boils down to uh, the games had, had been so bad leading up to these finals that a lot of people were gun-shy. Uh, so that's the way I see it anyway. Brian, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll steal your line from earlier. If we're, if we're in a world that practices load management in the playoffs in pro sports, I don't want to be in this world. I, I like you can, you, we can, I, I hate it. I disagree with it. I think it's philosophically flawed. Uh, I'm an old man. Get off my lawn. Uh, <laughs> in that, in that regular season, I can disagree. With, but if we're going to be in the playoffs and we're going to look at 20 to 25 point, you know, margins of, of, um, or spreads within a game. And we're going to start resting players. Get me the hell out of this league. Like I, that 20 to 25 points in the NBA, honestly, is it, are the percentages with, you No, but it's nothing. It is, it is nothing in that league, the way guys shoot now. So, so I don't understand this. I think it's analytic. We've talked about this in other sports a lot on this podcast uh, we're i think generally we're we're dislikers of analytics yeah. on this podcast yes right but not on an absolute basis it's a tool in the tool exactly. belt as we said before but it is not the ultimate decision maker well to add to this you know let's not forget Ime Udoka was an assistant under Popovich for 8 years and he was the guy that basically was the so-called let's live to fight another day when those guys were getting older. He wanted to rest their legs, save them up. And that's that's kind of the same philosophy I'm seeing here with Udoka. He, all he is is Greg Popovich in another body. He's an underrated coach. but It's a great point. He was an understudy to Popovich for so many years. He's Nobody really heard of the guy. But believe me, he's – I love Brad Stevens, but this guy I think is going to be a better pro coach than Brad Stevens by far. It's, and, and that's – you know, he just was living the fight another day. I mean, when Golden State come out in the fourth quarter and uh, the uh, – I can't – I drew a blank. That little guard that they got, he hit a three from like – oh no, at the end of the third quarter, he hit three from almost half court to end the quarter. That was basically like telling you this ain't your day. Just, just wait and – you know, wait till we get him at home and we'll be fresh. I think that's he sent a message that that was pretty much cool. When Poole hit that three at the end of the third quarter, that was like telling basically we can't win this game. When those kind of shots are going in, you you know it's just you know pick up your your toys and go home and come back and fight another day. And that's kind of the, what he did there. And I mean, I, I think I kind of like the decision. I probably would have did the same thing. But, but Stevie, can I just ask, like, to Ryan's original point, because he he we what we try to do is weave in the gambling in this show, obviously. So how do you think about that as a gambler, right? Like, does that does that only make your point that you originally made on the Celtics tonight stronger? And is that the reason we see the 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 high percentage of win and cover and favorite coming in the way it is? Like, how do you think about that? I just think the mindset of the average square sports fan is it's it's just weird how they think. When they see a team perform bad or, like, get blown out, it's like they just jump off the bandwagon so fast. Like, they see – they saw how Boston got beat that bad, and now they're three-and-a-half-point favorite. Most And most of these squares are going to say, well – why even take the three and a half here? This team just won by 30. They're going to win this game outright. So let's just, you know, well, let's just grab this free money, right? And, you know, there's no such thing as free money in this business. I've learned that a long time. I think when, when it looks, when it looks too good to be true, it normally is. And I think that's, that's a case tonight. It, the line looks too good to be true for the average square game. You know, and Michael even hit on it, you know, he's been hitting on it for the last week. You know, the, the public really only remembers what happened yesterday, you know, last game. I mean, they, you know, it's, 
And you just, uh, you know, most successful betters, uh, they don't think that way. Uh, it's just a huge difference in public perception and a sharp mind. You know, sharp minds tend to take each game, what they, what they mean, and, they, you know, all the, all the information in there. And the public is just focused on what happened last game. Right, 100%. It all this proves that Stevie is not just another pretty face with an incredibly white background. If we send you some photos, some paintings, something, well, can you I, hang something up back behind you, man? You know, the, fo the photos are a sore subject, Ryan, because, <laughs> yeah, let's not get people tied up in our text chain before the show, but uh, I'm pretty sure. Maybe Stevie a nice salad picture. I mean, Stevie oh. broke every rule on this podcast pre-show. There was a salad pick. There was a suggestion. He changed in a Ford Mustang for a minivan. I mean, <laughs> the guy, the guy, he comes across as this grouchy, well-informed, you know, degenerate gambler. Meanwhile, he's texting us, you know, green leafy salads uh, on our personal text. <laughs> I, I knew he had stirred up a harness nest. That was so funny. I don't know. We could sell that text chain. I mean, we could. Oh, we could, absolutely. We could make. Well, aren't they making NFTs out of some of that stuff? I mean, we, we could, should make. We, we should have a one more NFT. Of course, we should. <laughs> oh, let's talk a little golf. We'll get to we'll get to the Belmont here in a little bit. Uh, I want to get y'all's thoughts on what we're seeing. And when when I first heard about, uh, and I don't know what to call it, LIV Live 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 PGA versus LIV, I thought, okay, this will be interesting. Now it's really ramped up. You've had DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, although nobody on the PGA tour is going to miss Patrick Reed or DeChambeau, and we already know about the other guys that have gone there. Um, and I don't, I don't even know just how to toss this one up where you guys want to start. One, do you think it's going to have an impact on the PGA and they'll have to react to it? And two, is this something that we've got to figure out how to, how to wager on and how do you handicap a disparate field, three rounds instead of four, no cut, you know, the whole idea of the top 20s and top 10s that we like to do on PGA stuff. I mean, this is a whole new animal. Where is the edge and what's the interest level for you guys on what we're seeing? Carl, I want you to start because you've been following golf forever and yeah. you know the sport well. You start. Yeah, well, so uh, the first thing is I haven't seen any numbers come out on the live tour for, for betting purposes. Um, the, 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 the thing about, you know, look, I am, I am not a political person. Uh, you know, I am a common sense type individual. I, I believe in, in some of this and some of that. <clears throat> this And I'm telling you right now, and I'm, I am close to this subject. I, I have several friends of mine that are still out there. Uh, I've got friends that are caddying. You know, I, I, I know a lot of people in that world. Uh, and I can tell you 100%, this should not even be an issue. If th this is only an issue, it is, this is a political issue the tour is dead wrong. If you was to poll ninety, if you was to poll a hundred percent of their players, ninety percent of them would say that the tour is absolutely wrong. Look, if this was Europe, if this was the European tour, putting all this money in, into this golf this golf match, this would not be a a, a topic of discussion. The only no. reason it is is that is because the tour is playing into this political correctness stuff and they are against the Saudi uh, uh, you know their method of dealing with human rights that's what this is all about uh, you know and uh, look these guys are are, are are independent contractors they can go play the European tour they can go play the Canadian tour they can do any of that stuff anytime they want as long as they meet their requirement for the PGA Tour, which is 15 tournaments, they need to play 15 tournaments. We that's the that's the Litsky rule that that they put in years and years ago. They're not, they're not going to call it that, but uh, Bruce Litsky. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but the legendary Bruce Litsky, damn straight, great guy. And look, the, he played golf to support what he really loved, and that was fishing. 
And that, that's the thing. Litsky would play about eight or ten tournaments a year, make his three four $400,000 a year, and go fishing. He, he would put his clubs up. He wouldn't touch them again until he, he played another tournament. So, you know, if, if, if the PGA Tour says, okay, it's okay for you guys to go play in Europe, wherever, then why are they why are they fining these guys? These guys are, are there's only eight live tour events. These guys could meet their qualifications for the PGA and go play in these. Yeah, and and it, nothing would be said. Like I said, this is all a political statement. And the point that I want to make about this, and and for me, it's not a it's not a politics thing. But you know, nowadays you we have to look. You know, if we're gonna if we're going to, and look, nobody is more into uh, uh, human rights and loving people than, than I am. I care about people. I love all people. I don't care. I don't care where you're from, who you are. If you're good to me, I'm good to you. Uh, so it ain't, it ain't about that. But, uh, you know, if they're going to, if they're going to delve off into a, a stance like that, you know, look where these you know, I mean, where do you think these Fujikara shafts are made that goes into these golf clubs? They're not made in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I mean, these <laughs> things are made overseas in sweatshops where they're paying people, you know, what, 25 cents an hour? Uh, you know, so uh, look where we're getting our oil and gas from. We're getting our oil and gas from Russia now and, you know, Saudi Arabia. I mean, we're, we're getting all of our stuff that we need for them, and yet, we're on other topics. We're we're making the issue that, you know, well, you can't do that. We don't want you involved. And I just I'm I'm against it. I think the tour is wrong. Um, I think for betting purposes, I think people will be able to to get uh, you know like this week you got uh, Scotty Scheffler and you got uh, uh, Rory McIlroy playing. I mean you're gonna have less top echelon players in this PGA event this week. Um, you know, even Ricky Fowler's got a chance to make some money, you know, right now, um, cause some of these players are out of, out of town, but, uh, that's the way I feel about it. So I'll say this, uh, I'm going to talk out about, uh, people say you talk out of both sides of your mouth. I'm going to talk out of six sides of my mouth here. Cause this thing's so complex. Um, well said, well, I, said. I, and I'll admit it. Uh, so so I'm not so sure since I met Carl uh, that I agree with him on anything, honestly. But but disagreeing is always welcome in this group of friends and this podcast. And I I disagree with him on certain aspects. Mm-hmm. So when I look at the list of guys that have chosen to play for the Saudis, it's almost a character test, right? <laughs> like these these are some of the lowest character guys. There's two characters. There's two groups. What strikes me is what the guys that have signed up for this low character guys, all about the money or on the verge of being washed up. It's one or the other. Right. And Ricky Fowler, by the way, like that's not a shocker at all. Ricky Fowler has played golf for money, honestly, and commercial uh, uh, commercial um, success and nothing else. It, it, it It's proven by. um you know, how he's played over his career. Uh, he's the Baker Mayfield of golf. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great analogy. Um, my biggest problem with the whole, so, so I am in the, I, you guys know me. I'm the furthest thing from woke that ever existed. But, but I am in the camp that this is blood money. I am in the camp that these are bad dudes. I am in the camp that Greg Norman, by conservative estimates, is worth half a billion dollars before he did this, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and I and I look at Justin Don, Johnson, Dustin Johnson, saying I'm I'm doing this for my family. Okay, Dustin, are they starving at the seventy five to one hundred million you've already made? Like like so so that can be true, and what also can be true is what Carl said, which is the PGA can be wrong here, and they need to adjust a lot of things. So I think both things are true. Um, it's funny, Michael Lombardi and I had this discussion the other day. He goes, Bill, if somebody came to you and said 25 million bucks to do this, would you do it? My answer is no. Now people can say you're full of shit, Berman, you would do it. 
No, I, we've seen your pool. We understand. We're good. <laughs> that, that, that answer may be correct, but I'm also coming from a much different financial perspective than the guys that have made this decision. And by the way, I'm actually a Patrick Reed fan. I think I love his role as sort of the most hated guy on tour. His own family seems to hate him, which is always interesting to me. But, but um, these are not guys who need this money. I'm sorry, they don't. Every single one of them are have enough wealth if they, if they just weren't stupid about spending it. Um, they don't need to take it from these guys. So, and, and I would actually, this is the last point I'll make and I'll shut up. I actually would respect the guys on like the web.com or if that even still exists or the Nike tour or whatever that were in the poorhouse taking this money. Then I do the guys that actually took this. I think they're full of shit. I think it's a character flaw. Uh, if it gets the PGA to be where it needs to be fine, but man, Carl, you, you might want to tell me different. I don't know that PGA lifestyle as it exists seems like a pretty damn good setup. Oh yeah, it, I mean it is. And look, you make a you make a great point. Uh, you know, all of those guys that are playing out there, you know, right now, all have money. Look, I, I mean it's been, you know, hell. I was 20, 26, 27 years old when when I was trying to play. And even back then, I mean, you know, our sponsors were, you know, I was I was getting five, six hundred bucks a week just in sponsorship money, to play ten clubs and carry a bag. You know, now those guys are. Let's be honest. You you still are just just for what you're doing now. I mean, let's be clear. <laughs> I mean, those those guys now though. I mean, they they they're making you know a couple of thousand dollars a week before they ever hit a golf ball. I mean, they have the money. I, I just think the the bottom line here, and you're gonna look. This this is this is just a start. You're you're gonna see a lot of these players uh, uh, that go over there and play. They, they want to be able to go play where they can play. And, I mean, they, and they don't want to not fulfill their, their PGA obligation. They just don't want to be the suspect to fines and suspensions. And that's why they're, they're forking over their memberships right now. There's no reason to. There's only eight events. They don't coincide. You know, I mean, like the, this Canadian uh, tournament this week. You know, some of these guys, most of them ain't even going to play that event. That's usually a week off on tour. And usually your younger guys go and play those events. So, you know, it's, it's, I, if I'm these guys, by the way, like, like, and I, know, and I know the PGA tour can't do this because of the masters can play anybody. They, they have anybody play one. Yeah. The U S opens qualifier, right? The only one that's really, I think um, in play here, if you wanted to ban these guys is I think the PGA, but, um, but the, the reality is it's like, this is the best. Like these guys are actually acting like they're making a sacrifice. They're going to play for huge money and they're still playing in all the majors. Yeah. Where's the downside? Well, <laughs> like, well another thing, you know, it's going to be real interesting. I mean, the majors that are left, uh, uh, you, you know, the U S open is not a PGA event. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, uh, USGA. It's a USGA event. And then you got the, the British open is a, you know, a European tour event. So, um, you know, that, that's going to be interesting. Um, but, uh, look, it's not done. There's going to be a lot more players that want to go play. And I would, I think this is what I think. I think eventually the PGA tour is going to soften their stance on this issue. That's what I think is going to happen. I think they will. And I think that's part and parcel of what some of them are trying to get it to happen and move some on some events, some different ways they do things. And, Hopefully that'll be good for golf. It it's already had a bigger impact than I thought it was going to have. And totally. I think it's going to have a bigger impact during the summer. Yeah, yeah so we'll I, see. I, I never thought it would. I, I had the under on that, and and it, it's amazing to me what this has become already. Well, so look, I mean, and let's not forget this. You know, look, it wasn't too long ago that they designed these World Golf Tour events. I mean, this is what they wanted to make. You know, so this right. is this is look this. I'm telling you, all this reaction is because the Saudis are involved. If the Saudis were not involved in this, this concept would be going, it would be just like adding to the World Golf Tour events. That's all it would be. It's the same issue. It's just that the PGA Tour is taking a political stance. And, and, and I, my belief is that 
politics should not be involved in any sport. All right. We'll go from golf and we'll get a little riding crop in our hand and see what we've got going on. Steve, let's talk some horse racing. We'll bring Steve, wake up. Steve. Steve. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, I know your days. The golf talk kind of blanked out there for a little bit. Let's go to Belmont where it's always rainy. We got a one an eight yes. horse field. I'm actually intrigued by this this weekend. And the biggest intriguement I have going to the Belmont is that Rich Strike is in the field. And I'll just throw this to you right off the bat. Tell me why in the hell this horse is at seven to two right now and what I'm seeing. Why? I, honestly, I have no clue. I mean, I I think it was what he did in the Derby was a total fluke. Um, I mean, he could win this race like any other horse can, like he won the Derby. But look, if he wins, I'm just going to say congratulations and I'm, I'm going to just blow my money because I couldn't bet this horse with Chinese, with Monopoly money, I'll say. Chinese money's worth more, worth, worth a little more than it used to be. But anyway, uh, you know, I, I I see people, you know, I've read some articles. A lot of people think that this one horse, uh, breaking. We the people. We the people, yeah. He's, he's the favorite. And a lot of people are high on this horse because they're saying he's the lone speed in the race. Um. The horse definitely has speed. Breaking from the rail, that's always a plus. But um, there's something that I, I don't. I'm, I'm seeing Pletcher put two horses in this race, and the horse Nest has speed, not as much as the the one horse. But what I've seen in situations where a trainer puts two horses in a race, he usually has an agenda, and I think the agenda is. Here he's gonna send the four to kill the one and come closing with the sixth Modonical. Modonical, I think, ran fifth in the Derby. Didn't have the best of trips, but got, got clogged know, up on the backside coming around four. Pletcher, Pletcher for the Belmont. Most trainers live for the Derby. This is Pletcher's race. He wants to win this race, and I I definitely think the six is the horse to beat. I also like the eight Barber Road. Um Love Joel Rosario on a closer. Uh, that's his best style coming from behind. I think that I think it's a two-horse race, six-eight. I I think the one may hang on for a piece, but I don't think he's going to win the race. I think he's Fletcher's going to send Nest out there to soften him up, and in the stretch, I look for the six and the eight to blow by him. That's just how I got yeah. the race. Yeah, I'm kind of with you that this is a Fletcher race. He's going to try to dictate terms to everybody else. They're going to respond. Yeah, you know, Carl, you absolutely uh just nailed it on the derby and trying to structure a wagering bet when we get to an eight horse field on something like the belmont how do you view that how do you how do you structure things well i mean i can tell you the first thought you know i didn't realize until just a couple of days ago that there was only going to be an eight horse field uh and when i seen that the first thought that i had was no traffic they ain't gonna have to worry about traffic and, you can choose your own route. Yeah, and and look, I I mean, Stevie is the horse race guy. I mean, I I tinker with it. I, I try to win a little bit, uh, you know, and I I do okay. But uh, what I seen Rich Strike do in the damn Kentucky Derby, that gear that I seen him hit, and though you know when he when he shot in between those two horses, uh, you know this is a longer race. This is what a mile and a halfer. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I think the early speed, the, the horses that Stevie talked about will get out there, but I'm going to be watching rich strike. And I just have a feeling that, uh, he's going to hit that gear in the Kentucky Derby. I don't think it was a fluke and I think he's going to be blowing by him. And I think he's coming down the stretch and I think he's going to win the race. So is that, go ahead. Uh, is that the stupidest decision in the history of uh, horse racing? Yeah, in terms of them not running that horse. I mean, it's a. I, I still, I, I completely understood the decision to not run him in the Preakness, whether you agree with it or not. I don't understand the decision to bring him back. Well, I mean, so Stevie, you can answer this. I was always under the impression, for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's changed, but. Uh, these races, I think, used to be two weeks apart. This has been the this has been the third week um, for 
for the Belmont that they've been off. It's, uh, am it's I right? been this way as long as I can remember. I mean, where you, yeah. you run the first two and then there's a third. As long as, I mean, I've been betting horses since I'm 16. I'm 40 now. And as long as I can remember, they've always had three weeks off before the Belmont. So, okay. yeah. I don't know, you know, before that. But gotcha. as far as, you know, this, this mile and a half, I think, is going to test the pedigree. And, it, you know, when you look at the this, this race, you, you have to look a little further. I think – you know, that, that horse, uh, Rich Strike is out of a horse by the name of Keen Ice. Uh, never really heard much about him. I mean, you got horses in this race out of Curling. Um, Uncle Mo. Uncle Mo was a horse could run for days. That's Mo Donegal is, is out of him. I'm a sucker for Uncle Mo horses. So, you know, you, you kind of got to look a little further than past performances in a race like this Belmont because that mile and a half is really what's going to test the pedigree. Some horses just can't run that mile and a half. And I don't think – I will be very surprised if Rich Strike can go this mile and a half. I, I don't see it happening. Well, I don't, I don't think it will hurt Rich Strike going forward if the horse doesn't make it because you can always come back and say just what you're saying, Steve. Hey, it's just not a distance horse. That's, that's, a, you know, that's a distance that we are not going to breed this horse for. Looked great at the Derby, and you will make your money off that. If they come back at the shorter distance, I think it got blown away at the Preakness. That would have hurt that horse stud fee going forward. It's been a very, I think, budget management conscious uh, way they've handled it. And and I'm with you, Bill. I understand. You know, you 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 want to do the Triple Crown or anything else. I think they stumbled onto a pot of gold at the Derby, and they're doing everything they can not to give it away. And I don't think they can this weekend. I think that's great. All, right. All right. Now let's get to some fun stuff. It is summertime, as if people don't know. And the travels begin. And then the food consumption begins, too, when you're on the road and you're doing stuff. And I'm not sure which one we want to go to uh, uh, first. But I threw this out last week that you get on the road and sometimes you end up at a hotel or a motel not to your liking. It's happened <laughs> to me. It's happened to us, it's happened to, and you're on the road, and, and sometimes you just, it's not what it looked like it was going to be when you booked it, so I'll throw it out there, worst hotel motels you ever stayed at, and this may be a Carl Johnson special, being on the, uh, you know, the lower level golf tour and everything else, I've got a feeling you stayed in some places that it wasn't a Super Saver 7, it had like a 3 or a 4 maybe in it. Ryan, I think you nailed it, Carl, Carl come on, lead us off here, you, you have to. You you have to have experienced when, some when, devil's game. When when he said when he brought this subject up, uh, the 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 flea bag motel, the worst <laughs> hotel I ever stayed in, was immediately in my mind. I tell people all the time. So we was in. Uh, I was living. Well, not living. We had a. I when I when I first got on the mini tour, I met a boy from Iowa. His name was Brent Stewart. Big son of a gun, 6'4", 225, a big corn-fed strong boy. So what we, and we was traveling, you know, our tournaments were two or three days and then we'd have to uh, uh, leave there and we'd have to check in, you know. We, we may leave uh, Tallahassee at seven o'clock at night and we'd have to check in, uh, uh, you know, at Fort Lauderdale, you know, the next morning or something. So we'd drive all night. So what we did was in Plant City, Florida, the, the, the road was SR-22. I'll never forget it. The name of the place was the Flamingo Hotel, and it was right across the street from a place called Captain Jack's Restaurant. And, and <laughs> we, we find this place. It was 40, it was, this place was 40 bucks a week. 40 bucks a week. And what we did was we took all of our clothes and our, our extra golf clubs, we made that our center. And we, we would travel out of that location, you know, because, I mean, we very seldom stayed there. But they had a shower in that place that I, and, and look, I was slim back then. I was 165 pounds. They, I had to turn sideways to get into the shower. It was unbelievable. I mean, the damn shower gap to get in the son of a gun was less than a foot. And I had to turn sideways to get in it. Uh, it was unreal. It was so dirty. We had a hot plate, and we, you know, we would stay there maybe uh, uh, four or five nights every two weeks, 
but uh, by far the worst place. The only good thing about it is we would walk across the street to Captain Jack's restaurant, get tore up, eat. You know, we met our ladies and stuff like that, and, you know, we was right there. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. What, saying, what you see on the on the TripAdvisor reviews there is all about it gets a it's it's a zero star Ryan for for everything. Oh, what city was that in? Except can be Plant City, Florida. It was okay. on it was on SR twenty two, just outside of Orlando, kind of. Okay. Probably <laughs> still there. I don't know. All right, Bill. What about you? Come on now. Me, the first one that comes to mind um, years ago. Uh, I had never been to South Bend for for a game, uh, Notre Dame, and and I've I've still got um, a long term client uh, that is um, full of Notre Dame alumni, and um, most of these guys have become friends over the years. And they invited me out. They said, "You got to come out to South Bend. You got to do a game with us. You never been out there. You got to do it." I said, "Okay, great." I said, uh, "So these guys were actually." on a Winnebago from Pit, from Pittsburgh. I said, okay, well, I'm coming from Philly. I'm just going to fly in. I'll fly in the night before. And they said, you sure you want to do that? And I said, yeah, I'll just get there the night before. I'll work the next one. I said, well, where are you going to work? I said, I'll work from the hotel. They go, dude, we don't we don't think you really understand where we're staying on this thing. So I said, well, where? Oh, it's a Howard Johnson's in South Bend. It's, it's it, 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 uh, I said, how bad could it be? It's 300 bucks a night. They said, no, you don't understand. It's the cheapest hotel for, for Notre Dame USC weekend at 300 bucks. But this thing, this, you, I'm not so sure you want to stay there. I'm like, guys, I'm a big boy. I'll do it. Long story short, I flew in that night. I get there. Mother of God. It's the same <laughs> hotel room I've ever seen in my life. So when I walked in, I went into the bathroom and there was a toilet and then somebody had dug out the tile in the bathroom floor as a secondary. <laughs> oh, I, I literally, I was, are, are you kidding? So I, I, I literally slept fully clothed that night. As you can imagine, hands folded on chest, stared at the ceiling. Those guys got there around, so that I probably got in it you know, nine o'clock that night, those guys didn't get in till probably nine, 10 o'clock the next morning. So long as 12 hours of my life on the road and they got there and they said, dude, you look tired. So I didn't sleep. I just stood, I stared at the ceiling. It's, I go, I've never been to South. They go, oh, no. Yeah. The only thing at South Bend's Notre Dame and everything else is scary as hell, but I've never seen a bathroom like, and that thing I can tell you, we won't get into the graphics was being used as a second toilet. Oh, Lord. Steve, I don't even know if I want to throw it to you and see if you can top that. It's going to be tough, but about, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, my buddy sends me a message. He says, hey, you want to go to the Derby? I said, sure. I ain't never been. Let's go. So I immediately get on, like, Expedia and these sites, and I start looking for rooms. Well, everything is booked, but they did have one place that had rooms. It was a Motel 6 shepherdsville kentucky it was about 40 miles 30 40 miles uh north of louisville so i i said well they got rooms at the motel six i said i didn't think motel sixes were 300 a night he's like yeah man derby weekend you know rooms are high he said just go ahead and book it i said all right so i booked the room for three nights you know we get there uh that early that morning it didn't look too bad well, we went to the track that Thursday, and Thursday night, we got back to the room after we went to dinner. We went to Outback, I think. We get back to the room, and they got hookers standing outside. I'm like, oh, this seems like it's a nice place. Then we start seeing a few pimps and some drug deals. <laughs> so we go to the room. He says, man, lock that door. <laughs> I say, oh, don't worry. You don't have to tell me twice. So the next morning, we got up. You know, in the morning, everything looked fine. But at night, that's when the characters came yeah. out. Needless to say, I'm sitting there. I got about 10000 in my pocket, wondering how long it's going to take me to get robbed. But we managed to get out of there safe. It was a magnet for entrepreneurs, Stevie. Yeah. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> but anyway, that was probably my, my worst hotel story, that little scary situation. But it wasn't like we had a lot of choices. So needless to say, I was going to the crack hotel at night. And during the day, I was around Dwayne Lucas in his suit. So 
What a, what a difference a day makes, huh? <laughs> Needless to say, none of these places had a continental breakfast. We got to end up on a breakfast food. It all circles back to Lombardi somehow. We go back to the Godfather. All right. Oh. So we're talking pancakes. We're talking on his show last week. I think you were on, Carl. I don't know if you were on yeah. when they were talking about it or whatever. But he, Michael Lombardi on VSIN on the Lombardi line talks about eating pancakes with eggs yeah. on top of the pancakes. I love it. Where are we on this? How do we eat our pancakes? And all I can think of again is uh, draft day and you pancake eating him ever. Uh, but let's go. All right. Who wants to start? Go ahead. Uh, uh, can I just start for a second? Say, yeah. so my, my Saturday morning routine is I, I turn on my, you know, my whatever speaker. I'm out in the garage and, my, I, uh, and, I, and I just futz around and listen to Lombardi and I listen to Carl Spot. Whatever I was doing at that point when he dropped that bomb, and it was a bomb, it rippled through the Jersey Shore community that he, he's anti serum. Yeah. Anti syrup, like what? What don't you like about syrup? Like that's crazy. And he eats his pancakes dry. I mean, I'm best friends with the guy. We're two thickest thieves. I had no idea this existed. It's rocked our friendship. So I just want to give you the context of this. Like I, I said to him, like my man, I, how in the hell did you never tell me this? So I'll, I'll, I'll segue to Carl on that because he sent out a great picture. But I, I need to know, Carl, thoughts, questions, concerns. Oh, I, I just my, – I think my segment had just ended. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm taking all my stuff down. I'm listening to the guys. You know, one, once my segment ends, I go on there and I, I, I listen to the rest of the show or try to. And then that's when he was talking about eating his pancakes. And <laughs> – and I, I got to tell you, I, I immediately, and, and you can ask him this, I immediately, when he said that he eats his pancakes with egg yolks on tops, I immediately thought to myself, damn, I got to try You know, I had never tried. I got to try it. And I texted him. I said, you know what? I said, you know that I like something like this. I said, you know that you're one of my favorites. I said, but, I said, you just entered my Hall of Fame. And <laughs> You know, he texts back, you know, ha-ha, you know, stuff like that, you know. But uh, uh, Just like that, no insult to the Kennedy family, but I just like how this is basically like the Kennedy assassination. Everybody knows where they were when it came out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And look, I tried it, and I'm telling you right now, guys, it is really, really good. It's a different taste. I mean, I like syrup. I'm, I'm one of the guys, I like syrup. Uh, uh, I like gravy on my biscuits and stuff like that, but... The egg yolk on top of pancakes, it is really good. I'm not sure what I, I'm I get where he's coming from with the yolks on the pancake. I I can I can comprehend that. I'm not agree with it. But when you take it a step further and say, I'm not a syrup guy, like what well, I'm the not deal a, right there. What, what is that? I'm not I'm not a pizza guy. Yeah. I'm not a guy. Like, what is that? How do you hate syrup? Just wrapping my point of view up on this thing. Look, my favorite pancake. I want a blueberry pancake. Yes. Okay. All right. You want to throw me some fresh blueberries in there? Great. But what I want topping wise on those is not fresh blueberries. I want the canned blueberry syrup with the blueberries kind of mixed in. I want the processed blueberry syrup thing on there. That's to me, the best, only way to eat pancakes. Yeah, I like it. I love it. Steve, you got any hardcore pancake thoughts? I know you woke up today going, I hope I get to talk about pancakes and crap. I'm pretty simple. I like everything I eat drowned in butter, and I love my pancakes soaked up in butter and syrup. Just, you know, I like them saturated. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if you put butter on that salad you kind of circle here, but I... <laughs> There was no butter on that side. I'm trying to watch my figure, man. You're a bad influence. You remind me of the kids my, my, my mom used to tell me stay away from. That kid's a bad influence. Well, don't, don't, don't watch it on our account. Hey, Bill, hey, I, I, I did I did contact Smitty, and I said, look, I said, I'm hearing, I'm hearing trade rumors that uh, uh, Bill Berman wants to trade Steve Bruni's to notebook wagering for you, Smitty. 
loved it. Oh. And that might be the cliffhanger. That might be the cliffhanger for next week's show. Yeah. Oh. My only pancake thoughts, try this sometime. And I'm not opposed to eggs on anything. Out here in West Texas, we put eggs on steak. We'll put it on a chimichanga. We'll put it on huevos rancheros. You throw me something, I'll put an egg on it. All right, so pancakes, get a three stack in between the two. Put a big old hunk of butter in between those two. Let the butter melt down in between them. Put some peanut butter on top. Wow, you like Elvis. A little peanut butter on top. Not a whole lot, unless you like a whole lot. Put a little peanut butter on top, or you can make a peanut butter sandwich with pancakes. Put it in the middle, and off you go. Oh, Try it sometime. You might. Man, I, I would. I got no problem with that. Yeah, that's not insulting whatsoever. I listen. I've quite after what's happened this week. After that, I've questioned everything Michael Lombardi says. I, 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 I it, it, it shook me to 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 my core. I mean, I'm so weak. I'm mentally, I am such a weak person. I mean, I, you know, I, Lombardi had me eating pancakes, you know, with eggs on top. And now, uh, Ryan Hyatt, I got to go eat. I got to go try this damn concoction that he's Ryan, Ryan, you go syrup on top of that? I'm not opposed to it. Okay. Wow. I mean, just, just butter's good you on know, eggs, Lose man. your life, whatever you want to do. But All right. I'm just saying the pancake and the peanut butter and a little, little butter in between, I ain't going to go wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's not just for breakfast either. It can work at two or three in the morning. I'm gonna try it. I got now it. you're talking. Yeah, I mean, that's my. That's the kind of. That's the time where power eating really. You know, that's where you prove yourself as a power eater. Two to three in the morning. <laughs> All right, we gotta we gotta shut it down for one more time for the one more podcast. Although I'll I'll throw it around the horn as they like to say. Any final thoughts? Anything anybody's got? Who wants to start something? Steve, you go. What do you got? Oh. Go Celtics. I'm I'm gonna be sweating my ass off tonight. About getting ready to go on that one. Bill? Uh I go Celtics. I, I as I said, I laid the kids' college money on that. And uh look, I think if Ricky Fowler can be an average golfer on this tour, why couldn't he be for the Saudis as well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Top that, Carl. Yeah, no, I can't top that. No, just look, look, I'm gonna try to get this thing posted up before this game tips. Uh, you guys have a good weekend, and we'll see you down the road. All right. Hey, we appreciate everybody who enjoys this podcast. Spread the word, share it, put it on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you are on social media. Come back next week, subscribe, rate it. It's the one more podcast when you want one more. For Carl, Bill, Steve, I'm Ryan Hyatt. We'll see you next week on the One More Podcast. <laughs>